I invite you now to hear God's word. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And from Matthew 1, verses 18 through 20, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Now we welcome Christine Melius, our youth minister, to share with us the word. If you go to my house, I'd love to turn my fireplace on, turn the Christmas tree on, and then as I'm running around doing stuff around my house, I will have the same playlist playing over and over to the point where my husband now looks and goes, really? Like, we're watching this again? Like, these are terrible, Christine. And I'm like, no, they're, they're good. Thank you. I like them. But one of the more favorite cartoons that I remember growing up watching, and it was an exciting time because, you know, we took our showers and, you know, Mom let us have a special snack, and we would sit down and watch The Grinch. And... The story of the Grinch that stole Christmas has always intrigued me. And when I was preparing for today's sermon, I was like, you know what, this is, this is really cool. Because how many times do you hear the gospel of the Grinch in church? So, for those of you who may not know or need a reminder about the story of the Grinch that stole Christmas, it's a story that follows our friend, the green little Grinch man, and his plans to steal Christmas from all the Who's that live in Hillville. He sews himself a fake Santa suit. He sneaks into Whoville on Christmas Eve. He sneaks into the homes of all those who live there. And while they're sleeping, he steals their Christmas presents, their Christmas trees, their Christmas stockings, everything Christmas that is in a Who's house, including their food, the Grinch steals. He stuffs it all into his bag, and he stuffs it all onto a sleigh that's pulled by this little dog named Max. Max, I think Max would probably be like one of those hot dog kind of little warm dogs. And poor Max has to pull this sleigh full of all the Whoville stuff. He's disguised as a reindeer, 
And during the events of this night, were witness to the Grinch engaging in some of the most underhanded and cunning deeds imaginable. He commits criminal impersonation because he meets Cindy Lou and he, he goes along with the idea that he's Santa. Breaking and entering, vandalism, and when he's going down that mountain, I'm pretty sure if there was a speed limit, the Grinch <coughs> totally broke that too. <laughs> so, all of this just to steal Christmas <coughs> from the Who's. Remember, at one point, he's surprised by Cindy Lou Who, who has awoken to the sounds of his work and who comes out to see what's happening. She mistakes him for the real Santa Claus. He tells her, she said, why? why? Why are you stealing my tree? What's happening? And he says, no, no, I'm not stealing your tree. I'm just taking it to the North Pole to, to fix it. So there's deceit and dishonesty. And that's not even the worst of it. After the Grinch cleans out every room and empties every refrigerator, steals all their stuff, he all takes it up with Max to the top of Mount Crumpet, and he's going to dump it. He's just going to get rid of it. But before he does, he stands there at the edge of the mountain, and he waits. And he waits. <coughs> because he knows the Who's are going to be waking up any minute, and he is so excited to wake up and hear like crying and grief and misery. He expects weeping and wailing. But then, all of a sudden, on the top of Mount Crumpet, as the first light of Christmas breaks over the horizon, he watches, completely stunned, as the hooves come together in their town square, around the big tree. They hold hands, and they begin singing in Christmas joy. The Grinch has not stopped Christmas from coming. It came. It turns out that no matter what he tried to take away from them, Christmas came anyway. And it reads, The Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. And it stuns him. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, is a little bit more. And then you see in the video his eye color change from red to blue, and we learn that that day his heart grew three sizes. The Grinch was changed. He decides not to dump all the goose stuff, and then with his abnormally now large heart, he prevents that sled from falling down the mountain, and he turns it around and he rides it back into town, blowing his trumpet and giving back all the things that he had stolen the night before. Even though we may think that when he returned, he might be returning to an angry group. 
But who has actually welcomed him in with open arms? They even allowed him to sit at their Christmas celebration. The story tells us that the Grinch finally understood the true meaning of Christmas. You see, this week is the fourth week of Advent. And this week's theme is love. And through our scripture reading and the story of the Grinch, we are reminded of restoration and God's amazing love for each and every one of us. You see, the Grinch's full intention was to take away the Who's Christmas joy and just throw it all away. Not because they had caused him any harm. He wasn't going to sell any of it for a profit. And he wasn't pulling a Robin Hood moment where he was going to give to others less fortunate. He was just attempting to take the joy of Christmas away from those who's and watch them suffer. Just to steal their joy and cause them pain. You see, at this point, the Grinch can't redeem himself. But the love, the love that the who's show to the Grinch completely fills him and changes him. And that love is what can redeem the Grinch. You see, we cannot redeem ourselves. And I think most of us know that. Only God can redeem us. And when God came into this world as a little tiny child, this little baby, light is brought into this world. That light was brought into even the grinchiest of hearts. <clears throat> Can we click back to the scripture? Right in the beginning of Psalms. Stop! No! Better! <laughs> when I was reading this, this is what jumped out at me. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine, that we may be saved. Restore us, oh God. You know, restore, when I was doing some Googling and reading, means to turn around. And a couple weeks ago I was preaching about how Advent is a time to prepare. It's a time to take those things that we don't want and just make that turn. To turn around and turn back to God. And as the psalmist was sitting here, probably writing this and praying and praying this prayer, everything around him seemed to be crumbling. And he writes, Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. And if you read through this quickly, like I do, because many of you know I have ADD, and I'm, my, my brain is already thinking six minutes ahead of me, you might read this and be like, oh, this is a prayer where someone's sad, something happened. And yeah, in a way it is. But when you read it more carefully, one of the sites that I use says, a more careful reading reveals a fascinating plea for restoration 
based in hope. You see, the psalmist believed that God restores people. And this was a prayer of restoration for Israel. And actually, if you look in Isaiah 63 and 64, there was another time when Israel was desolate, displaced. And it's the same sort of prayer. Restore us, O God. Why do you make us so stubborn that we turn away from you? Come back for the sake of those who serve you. This is the prayer in Psalm 80. God's people no longer commanded the respect that they once had. Their faith no longer had the appeal it once had. Following God was no longer an exciting event as it once was. I don't know about you guys, but when I came, I don't know if you want to say came back to Christ when I was 32 classroom and had this huge earth-shattering revelation about God. I have to tell you, I was on fire, man. I was like, dude, I my kids will even tell you I was at school that time, and I was like, I am saving the world for Jesus. This is my job. This is what God wants me to do. And I was gung-ho for about a year. And then I got tired. It wasn't exciting. It was work. <coughs> Sharing the gospel and planting seeds in people's heart was work. I didn't know where God fit in to what I wanted. But then, the psalmist, Isaiah, myself, we kind of step back and we look at what happens in our lives and we come to this conclusion. It's not about me. It's not about how I'm doing it. But it's about how God is going to do it through me. It's humbling myself in prayer and taking that look and saying, what's not connected to God here? Where am I trying to be in charge? Restore us. Turn us back you see, they're not asking in this psalm for God to make things better. They're asking God to make them better. Their concern was not with the circumstances, but with their character. My problem so much in life is not that God's not doing what I want. It's the way I'm doing things. It's my character. How am I portraying Christ's love? So we pray, Lord, excuse me, restore our souls. You see, Advent is an absolute great time of the year. One of my probably favorite times of the year. I always find very deep devotional that I go through, and you know, God puts all these grand new things on my heart because Advent brings to focus. The coming of Jesus Christ. First, 
second as a king coming for his people. And he's coming again. You see, Advent is a time, and Christmas is a time to draw near to God. A time to be restored, to be renewed. And I wonder, maybe we, like the psalmist, need to pray the same prayer. Maybe we, too, have become a little like the Grinch. I will tell you, I have very much become like the Grinch. Because I actually sat on the first Sunday of December. This is my confession time. And I was talking to my mom, as I always do after, after church. And I was like, oh, I just can't wait till it's January because there is just so much. Church is just so much. There's so many presents and there's so much this and there's so much. And I just grumbled. I think probably for about a week. And then God went, you're a knucklehead. <laughs> as he often does, my best and dearest friend of a very long time, I won't say how long, can say I get two by fours and my, you know, God's like, hello, duh. That's exactly what happened. I was becoming like the bridge. I couldn't care less about any of the joy that was happening. I couldn't care less that the season was about Jesus. I was just looking at it from, I have to do all these things, and I don't want to do all this. Me, me, me. But guess what? Restore my soul. Turn me around, God. And guess what he did? With a do-over. <laughs> Turn us back. It's so simple, yet so stinking hard. How do we do that? They didn't ask God to make things better. They asked God to make them better. Not our circumstances, but our character. Maybe we need to Lay hold of God. Perhaps we all need to pray. Restore us. Restore me. Turn me back to you. I'm sure you've heard me say it. I'm sure you've heard Pastor Brian say it. God is in the business of restoring souls. Of changing hearts and minds. Perhaps this is a time where we turn back to God. In a moment by moment, walking in the presence of Jesus. Perhaps now is the time to say, if what I'm about to do or say does not allow me to help or worship God, then maybe I won't do it. Let's not ask God to make things better. Let's ask God to make us better. And then, sorry, this was like heavy and big. I had epiphanies this week. As powerful as that love is then inside of us, when we turn around and we say yes to God, and he fills us and he restores us, and he makes those changes in our lives, that love grows inside of us. We become like the Grinch where our heart grows three times. And we get excited. But what's even better than that is when we take that power, we 
take that love and we become like the rules. And no matter what poop happens to us, we share that love. Because that's what we're called to do when we're called to make disciples. We're called to go out there and show that love. What if in the face that all we find troubling in this world, we showed the world what God's love really means? To love each other unconditionally, with all our faults, with everything about us. I'm going to pick on you, because this came to me this morning. I am not one to take criticism well. And I think maybe I've met, on the side of my dearest friend in the world, only one other person, besides Pastor Brian, who will call me out and say, but you're always doing this. It, no, it is not a bad thing, and this is what I'm, I'm talking about. Because in that, it makes me realize, I need to change. I need to make things better, because it's an unconditional. Christine, you're my co-worker, you're my friend. I'm not doing this to hurt you, I'm doing this because I want you to be better than what you are. And that's the truth. Which is the same way I would say to you, Brian... Do this. My girlfriend Diane has done this over and over. To the point sometimes where I don't answer the phone because I don't want to hear it. But unconditional love, no matter what our faults are. Putting the needs of others before our own. The best thing I heard this Christmas was instead of giving someone a gift, pay a bill for them. Fill their gas tank. Do something out of love. Put their need before your own. What if we show how powerful love and restoration could be? We want to see change in the world? Be the change. Go out in that love. The story of the Grinch tells us how his heart grew three sizes that day. And as he returns each thing he took, the presents the decorations, the food. He's welcomed with love. He's invited to the feast, and he even gets the car of the roast beast. <laughs> when the Grinch saw the love that the Goose had, he realized that this love that was inside them couldn't be taken away. And that's that's when he realized that this is what Christmas is all about. And that's when he was changed. Restore us, O God, and let your face shine that we may be saved. You know, we're not who's from Whoville, but we're Christians. We're people who spend this time of year preparing our hearts for the one who has come and will come again. And in this time of waiting, I pray that each and every one of us, including myself, will be changed and transformed in the process. You know, as we turn the TV on, the Grinch, Scrooge, Charlie Brown, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, all these wonderful Christmas stories are great stories of redemption and restoration. But so is yours and so is mine. So, I ask you this question. 
Are we ready to let God move within us and within our lives and within our world? Are we ready to take part in all of it and allow God to restore us and turn us back to Him? I pray that we allow His love to 